0: On this week's episode, we welcome former Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings Blake.
1: Former Mayor Rawlings Blake, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, Baltimore really doesn't have a good image around the world. It really doesn't. I wish I could say otherwise, Um, but Baltimore seems to represent everything that's wrong with America. Falling behind, whether it's education, whether it's crime. Um, you know, why is it, um, do you think, that the leadership here cannot change the trajectory of education? It seems like it's a simple thing to do, but maybe it's more complicated than what we know.
0: What about education uh, seems simple to you?
1: You know, um, To me, learning is a a joy, reading books, um, going to the classroom, having a structure, having expectations, knowing that every child can learn. You will never accept the child failing. And your parents and my parents would have never accepted um, almost half of the school system
0: having a 1.0 GPA. I mean, that's just unacceptable. I mean, that's almost not even showing up. And you're right, my, my, my parents wouldn't and my father didn't. Uh, he was the reason why there's a uh, city-state uh, partnership that, there, that the, um, under his leadership, the school system was no longer um, just run by the city but with a partnership with the, with the state. So there was more, uh, Hope the, the goal was for there to be more accountability and better results uh, for our young people. And that you know that has had um mixed um mixed results um I think there have been times where the the uh progress has been um promising, and uh certainly times um uh, like these where there's lots of uh, room for improvement but let me just back up to your question yeah, okay. there's nothing about education in um in the current environment where you have um you know I'm when I when I mention the environment it is not um to make an excuse because you know I my parents believe your parents believe you believe I believe um that children can learn um that poor children can learn um you know children in uh, challenged uh, homes can learn. So it's, I'm not, I don't think that there is an excuse, uh, but there is a reality of um, the, the complexity of educating young people that come from such a broad, um, broad spectrum of challenges. So it's not, uh, while education might be a joy, it doesn't mean that it's simple in the conditions that uh, we're in in Baltimore.
1: What has changed since our generation? Is it the parents, the students, the teachers,
0: the administrators, the resources? I think a lot of things have changed. Um, the way, so expectations in the classroom, I think, have uh, changed. I think the, who we have as teachers has changed. We, you know, when, when my mother was in school, um, in elementary school, your teachers were the cream of the crop because there weren't a lot of options uh, for uh, for black people who um, you know had education and, and wanted to work There weren't a lot of options, so there was a very high um, teachers were the 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 job of a teacher was in very uh, high re- highly regarded um, as the world opened up and people had more options um, you know, you get fewer and fewer that are uh, choosing, to be, uh, choosing to be teachers. And that's just one of the things. Um, you know, I think a lot, there are a lot of factors um, in our environment, in our, you know, our, our society that have changed since you grew up and I grew up that are impacting children's ability to learn in the classroom.
1: Uh, you know, the thing about an education, it gives you real self-worth real self-esteem, and it also makes you believe that you have a shot at doing something with your life once you graduate from high school, the possibility of going to college. I don't, I can't understand how, and you know, even when I think about um, the chief here, um, Ms. Sandalisa, who has an incredible resume, Harvard, Columbia. Um, uh, and the fact of how she transformed the school system in Boston. I mean, totally transformed it. Her results were incredible. And yet, she comes here, uh, she makes a lot of money. Many would say there's a not a lot to show for it. Uh, is, it an, is it enough to have a superintendent with that kind of pedigree to come here to change her system?
0: what What will it take to change the trajectory? I think with all of the challenges that uh, we face and that we we tend to talk about um, I think it is it is easy to uh pin the blame on one person and is the leadership important vital absolutely, but in order in order for the school system to change it it needs more than just a superstar CEO, you know. All all of the all the pieces need to work together, uh, and you know I think it's it's really hard, uh, particularly in the the year almost two years that we've we've had recently going through the pandemic. It's it's I think unfair to um, to everyone involved to uh, look at the the scores that our young people have and. Uh, to look at them in a vacuum and to say, you know, that not to put it in the context of so many young people don't have the resources, don't have the technology to, to participate in school um, the way that they need to because, you know, th- they don't have the, the iPad or the computer or the, you know, the access. A lot of, a lot of households in, in Baltimore really have been struggling through this, uh, through this pandemic parents who may not have, you know, like I'm not a teacher. I know that if I had to instruct my my uh, daughter uh, through a pandemic, if she were younger, I would have struggled. And, you know, so you have a whole a whole lot of people who are ill-equipped uh, to to be in a role they're forced to be in because we're in a pandemic.
1: Yeah, but when you and I were coming on, I didn't have iPads, none of this technology, none of these computers. I mean, it's like, but you could stra- also go
0: into the classroom yes, the last go two years. People, you know, it, it, with the pandemic, all of that was disrupted. And think about it. But you know, some of this was happening
1: before COVID came into place in Baltimore. So definitely some of yeah. it. I'm yeah. just
0: talking about the, the, the statistic that you just mentioned. Okay.
1: So, so you know, when you were mayor, um, the mayor now, Brandon Scott, works for you. Mm-hmm. He's in the leadership position. Is there more that he can do
0: when it comes to education, Educa- yes. I don't. So I'm. I my view of um, being a leader is there's always more to do. There's all until you until you have the results that you want. There's always um, there's always more to do. And the thing about Mayor Scott that um, that I appreciate is he's such a hard worker. And he's very willing to do new things and try different things. And I think getting through this pan, this pandemic in a climate and an environment that you know we haven't faced this in a, over a hundred years in our country. You know, the you know country going through a pandemic. I think he's willing to, to do new and different things to try to get us to a better place. And I know that those things are, um, you know, those new and different things can be the way that. Um, he works with the with the school system. There, I'm sure there there are things on the table that can be done to help move the school system forward.
1: What, what about the issue of crime and the violence and the murders? Um, Baltimore is one of the murder capitals in the country now. What?
0: I think Baltimore and, and many many cities around the country are struggling right now with um, trying to reimagine what uh, policing. Um, Looks like in our challenge community, uh, we had to confront um, you know, after the the death of uh, George Floyd as a nation. I think we confronted the the tenuous relationship that the police in um, many minority co- um, minority communities um, have had for decades. Uh, I remember when I grew up, you want to talk about you know how things were different. Um, we had officer friendly uh, when I was growing up. We had an off, uh, a police officer who was assigned to go into schools, go into communities, and uh, their, their job was to build relationships, positive engagement with the community. And then we come to a, a time where uh, an officer is judged their, their, their value, their competency, their effort is judged with how many tickets they've uh, given, how many uh, interactions uh, they've had, how many arrests, how many drug seizures, how many gun seizures. And um, when you make that the goal, um, you have a lot, I think, of unintended consequences that we are dealing with right now.
1: But certainly the fund the police is never an
0: answer. It's not an answer that I've ever given.
1: Yeah. I mean, you need law enforcement. Even the ones that you speak of, that's more of the exception and not the rule. You need law enforcement. You've got to work with them in the communities. You've got to have them.
0: You will not hear a disagreement from me on that.
1: So, so let me tell you, where, where, where is Baltimore making progress that we don't talk about enough?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of progress that's going on um, in our housing. Um, there, uh, we've done a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of it started um, under my administration with tackling blight and vacant, uh, vacant housing. Uh, you know, you you say that we have a bad rap, but I'm always meeting someone who's moving from D.C. or New York places where um, the the um, the the black creative class is getting priced out, and they're coming to move uh, to Baltimore uh, because their quality of life uh, and the affordability is uh, so much higher. And we have such a rich culture and so many um, so many great institutions uh, here that uh, offer for all Baltimoreans a very uh, rich, rich um, quality of life.
1: You're you're so young. I mean, you served. In office, uh, it seems like long ago, but I, I mean you come from a family of royalty mm-hmm. in Baltimore. your father, you also served on the city council before mm-hmm. coming mayor. Uh, would you ever consider when you look at the situation in Baltimore that you ever say, "You know what, maybe i 'll think about doing this again
0: not really yeah i I loved uh, what I was able to get done uh, during my time in public office. i was and I was uh, first elected to the city council when I was 25. And I served in office for 21 years. And, you know, I, you know people sometimes when I talk about it, the, the sacrifices, you know, they said, well, you shouldn't have done it. I was like, no, I'm not saying, I'm not complaining. I'm telling you that I willingly made the sacrifices that come from not being able to, um, you know, go to class meetings or uh, participate with my, you know, programs with my, my daughter so few times that we had dinner at home, you know, we had to, breakfast was our family time uh, because that's when I could guarantee um, my day it hadn't started. Um, all those sacrifices I made willingly because I grew up wanting to have a positive impact on my city and I did. I don't, I don't leave my house without seeing the effects of the good work um, that I uh, did in the city. And um, I'm very satisfied. With, um, with my legacy um, of work in the city. And I don't really have an interest in, um, in uh, seeking public office right now. And I also, you know, I'm not, I think people are very kind when I'm, when I'm out and about and they said, oh, we need you back, we need you back. Uh, and I, I think it's sweet, but I also am a, a pragmatist. I know if I was back, Those same people would, you know, when you're in the seat, you know, everything is your fault. When you're out of the seat, oh, but if you were there, things would be better. You know, I I think it's a tough job uh, to be in the hot seat of an elected official. And I I don't uh, second guess um, my former colleagues. I just, um, you know, pray for their strength and their discernment um, that they can, and tackle some of the challenges that we we face right now.
1: One of the one of the uh, areas that you were very strong and consistent with was economic development, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Why does that
0: also remain essential today? Um, economic development is was something that was very important to me because you know people need jobs, and a lot of um, economic development and community uh, development to me is hand in hand how do we make a vibrant city and we make a vibrant city uh, by uh, attracting jobs that's why I, I, I talked about this recently uh, with some uh, friends uh, we're talking about um, you know the work I did to to bring the city out of its structural budget deficit and I left the city with the highest bond rating it's had in over 40 years. Um, and. What happened was even those first couple of years, when I had budgets that required furloughs and cutbacks and all of those things, we still made strategic investment in um, technology and innovation. And we were able to grow innovation jobs in Baltimore. And Baltimore became one of the top 10 cities in the country for tech startups. So even in the midst of an of a economic crisis, you can still Plant the seeds that can grow and and, and that can create jobs and create the vitality that you need um, to have a a, a thriving and forward looking city. Uh, uh,
1: uh, What would you do different? Would you, if you were a city mayor today, would you mandate masks? Absolutely.
0: Really? Why? Because masks work. For businesses? I would mandate them for. For businesses, I would mandate it to anyone that was under my control. I would mandate uh, vaccines. Mandate it. Yeah, the the the. Doesn't that sound a little communist? Isn't that what the communists do? So when people say that to me,
1: I I, just said it. Yes. Yeah. It makes
0: it it makes me wonder what is the vision of America, that um, of community that they see. That they are so focused on the fact that we are being mandated and not focused on the fact that people are so um, uncivil, so uh, inhumane, so unwilling to think about us as a country and responsible for each other. Our elected officials have a primary goal, and that is to protect life above everything else. And I hope that uh, people in leadership continue to do that, protect life. Uh, We're protecting life, well I shouldn't say we because I'm not in leadership, but leaders protect life so that others can debate freedom.
1: You know, um, what what would it take to heal the divide that we have in this country before? Have we seen anything like this before? Many people will say, historians would say there's nothing new. We've seen it all throughout our history.
0: I think what we need is a desire to be um a civilized um country of people who can disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, right now as as I said, you know, so much of our culture is conflict based and um, there's so much like balkanization or polarization, you know, people are driven into silos of like-minded people and there's not a lot of, um, you know, not a lot of crossover. I think a lot more work needs to be done, um, you know, to, to look for the ways that, that we are alike and the values that we share as Americans instead of looking at the differences.
1: You know, we, um, uh, with our programming, I think it's so important that we hear all sides. I think that's what media should be about. It should be a referee. We should be neutral. I think voices like former mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake is so critical and we need to give rise to these voices.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode.